coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. So, of course I'm going to say happy Monday to you. But is any Monday a happy Monday? Unless you're on vacation or it's a three-day weekend. Where Monday is in the three-day weekend. Anyway, happy Monday to you. Welcome to The Ron Show. So... <laughs> So much to get into uh, that occurred over the weekend. I hardly know where to start. Uh, two of the most loathsome people from the state of Georgia, Clarence Thomas, Marjorie Taylor Greene, squarely in the spotlight. So naturally, I'm going to devote plenty of time to both. I'll also be talking with a labor attorney by the name of Andy Trusevich. He is squarely in opposition to what is called the non-compete clause. The non-compete clause is utilized by a lot of employers to keep their employees from quitting or being fired, get this, and going to work for the competition within 90 days, three months, six months, a year, sometimes even longer, even if they get fired. Uh, so the Federal Trade Commission is seeking public input on this at FTC.gov. And Andy is imploring anyone who listens to our conversation to visit FTC.gov to speak against non-compete clauses. Now, President Joe Biden has drafted an executive order to get rid of the non-compete clause, so the FTC is acting on that. And we'll let Andy explain how that stays long after Joe Biden is president, whereas most executive orders disappear at the end of the presidency unless they are carried over by the following president. Interesting conversation. We'll do that at the back half of the show. I'll begin today's show by, with apologies to Clarence Carter, Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas, ooh, Clarence Thomas, again in trouble. He's not had a good April, I would say. We found out about his sugar daddy, Harlan Crow, wheeling and dealing and whining and dining and flying Clarence, and sometimes Jenny too, across the country and around the world to fantastic, luxurious resorts or on super yachts and all that fun stuff. Oh yeah, and the, the private men's club. Uh, and Clarence wasn't really disclosing this stuff. To which both Harlan Crow, who's no George Soros, only because we don't use Harlan's name like the right uses George Soros. Anyway, Harlan and Clarence both releasing statements last week. Well, this is no big deal. We're long good friends. There's nothing improper about this. Blah, 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 blah. And then we found out last week, in fact, I went into great detail about how shady this all looks. And then we found out that Harlan Crow's, one of Harlan Crow's little shell companies, bought three pieces of property from Clarence Thomas and his family. Three of the lots were in Savannah, Georgia on one street. Two of them were vacant lots just down the street from where Clarence's mother lives on the third lot in a house that Crow's company also bought. Not only bought back in, was it 2016, 2017? Not only did they buy the property, but let mama stay on it. Clarence's mama got to stay on the property in the house even after it was sold, and they did renovations and upgrades. They even bought <laughs> they even bought the lot next door to it 
the property next door to it that had a house on it and apparently some noisy neighbors that made mom upset. They bought that house and got rid of those nuisance tenants for mama. While mama stayed in the house, again, that Clarence and family once owned before selling it to Harlan Crow. No evidence of a lease or rent being paid, but it's pretty nice. Oh, and there's some question about value. It, it would appear when you look at, and this is what we do in the real estate industry, we look at comps. It would appear when you look at comps that Harlan Crow's shell company probably overpaid for those three properties. In fact, according to dailycause.com, CNN's report on that real estate transaction fleshes out that the, okay, it was 2014, that the sale of these three properties to Harlan Crow, one of the terms was that Clarence Thomas' mom got to live there in the house rent-free for the rest of her life. Now, they say she pays property taxes and insurance, but Crow doesn't charge rent. Now, to be fair, the argument made by Harlan Crow and Clarence Thomas when that revelation came out, and, and they, why do these revelations have to come out? Just be forthright, right? So when that was discovered, I believe ProPublica was the first on that as well. Their response was, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to turn his boyhood home into a museum once mom passes. Um, how many Supreme Court Justice boyhood home museums do you guys go to? Anybody? I mentioned this last week. In my hometown of Augusta, there is a Woodrow Wilson boyhood home. Nobody goes to it. And Woodrow Wilson was a freaking U.S. president. It's one thing that these sort of transactions even happened in the first place or the lavishing of gifts. It's quite another, however, that Justice Clarence Thomas never disclosed any of this. And now claims he's going to go back and amend his filings to disclose this stuff. And all good. And when I did mention last week when we talked about these two issues, where there's smoke, there's fire, there's there was the third issue of Jenny Thomas starting a nonprofit that Harlan Crow gave 500000 of the $550,000 in seed money to start that Jenny Thomas took $120,000 salary to be CEO for. And you have to wonder if that wasn't just an indirect payoff in and of itself because the nonprofit doesn't even exist anymore. But here I am about to get to the new one. There is a new WTF clearance. The Washington Post is now reporting that there's another oddity to Clarence Thomas' legally mandated financial disclosures. Apparently, since 2006, Clarence has reported somewhere between 270000 to maybe three-quarter million dollars from a family real estate company called Ginger Limited Partnership. I mean, it's a good piece of money if you can get it, right? Oh, here's the catch. Thomas and his wife closed Ginger Limited in 2006. Um, so they've been getting this income since 2006, but... Clarence and Jenny closed it in 2006. The company doesn't exist. Thomas has earned up to three-quarter million dollars, over $750,000 over the last 17 years from a company that ghosted us all. So the Washington Post tries to explain what may have happened here. 
1982, Jenny's now-deceased parents formed Ginger Limited as a Nebraska real estate company collecting rent from two residential developments, just two. That company no longer exists as of 2006. A new company named Ginger Holdings LLC was formed with the same business address with Jenny Thomas' sister Joan Elliott listed as its manager. The assets of the former company were transferred to the new one. Jenny Thomas, quote, is not named in state incorporation records for the new company, according to the Washington Post. And that's where the Post's answers end and the questions sort of start mounting. When reached by the Post, Joan Elliott suggested the reporters call Jenny Thomas for information about the company, quote, before hanging up, which is an interesting response from the alleged head of a company, wouldn't you say? Makes you wonder what's going on. So, would it just not be obvious that the company was restructured into an LLC for, you know, some kind of mumbo-jumbo legal reasons? Closing shop, reopening with Joan Elliott as the manager while distancing itself from a Supreme Court justice's wife. Ginny, though, continued to make profits on the regular from the company. Clarence, however, never bothered to update the new company status and hasn't updated it in its nearly 20 years since the original company closed. Just another error among a series of errors and omissions that Thomas has made on required annual financial disclosure forms over the past several decades, according to the Washington Post. The kind that, quote, raised questions about how seriously Thomas views his responsibility to accurately report details about his finances to the public. How did we get here, my fellow American? How did we get to a place where Supreme Court justices are held to lower ethical standards than well, not just anyone in government, but anyone? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a residential real estate agent, a realtor, and I'm held to a code of ethics. Supreme Court justices? Meh. I mean, it's it's nearly impossible for a Supreme Court justice to break ethics rules because there don't seem to be many rules for them to break. And yet the ones that do exist, this guy, Justice Thomas, and his wife, Madam Insurrectionist, seem to break them anyway. And the Law and Order Party just collectively shrugs. Eh, what are you going to do? Clarence going to Clarence. Back after the break, the latest from Marjorie Taylor Greene, which has Republicans angry. Whoa, didn't see that coming. Oh, hey, you're still here. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for sticking around. Not only am I host of The Ron Show, I'm also Ron Roberts, real estate agent slash realtor with EXP Realty. That's right. I help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around Metro Atlanta. And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not, between... COVID, the post-COVID market, the craziness, you could throw an open house on a souped-up tool shed and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us and interest rates are a little higher than they were before, but I must say, it's still a great time to either buy or sell or both real estate, residential real estate in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, 
if you are renting right now, you are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money, and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s, with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property, now if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors. Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay, yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping. So you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up. 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Website rononthereal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with EXP Realty. Welcome back to the Monday Ron Show. My um, guest next segment, a labor attorney based in Dallas by the name of Andy Trusevich. He does not like the non-compete clause. Neither do I. I dealt with that a lot in radio broadcasting. Uh, my prior incarnation. I, I know you're thinking, but I'm listening to you on a radio-like show. Sh- so short, sort of, yes, and this is the uh, America One radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, but... Th- in the traditional sense, we're not an FM AM, I mean, that we know of yet, anyway. Uh, and also, of course, you can listen to the Ron Show in podcast form as well. I actually once was in radio broadcasting for about 28 years off and on from like high school up until uh, just about four years ago. I'm a residential real estate agent, a realtor, if you will, uh, in Metro Atlanta. But I spent a lot of time under contract for companies like Odyssey or called Intercom at the time, uh, iHeartMedia, Cumulus Broadcasting even for a little bit. Uh, and when you work for any of these companies, you sign a contract and a non-compete clause so that even if you get fired from a job, if they tell you they don't want you working from them for them anymore, you can't then go immediately and work for the competition. Makes no sense, right? It's kind of crazy. But non-compete clauses are routine not just in broadcasting, radio or television, but throughout industry in these United States. And the Federal Trade Commission is looking for public comments, I think through Wednesday, at ftc.gov. Andy uh, Trusevich and I will discuss that next segment so that you can be up all on that and get involved yourself. I'm, As a matter of fact, when I get done with today's show, I'm going to ftc.gov to leave my two cents. I think non-compete clauses are horrible for not just individuals, employees, but for business. On the whole, for the economy, on the whole, there's hundreds of billions of dollars in earnings being left on the table. It's been an interesting few days in the Marjorie Taylor Greene bubble. A few days ago, Raw Story pointing out that Marjorie Taylor Greene had spent $65,000 in campaign funds for a fence around her property. The the median income in her congressional district, by the way, is like $54,000. She spent $65,000 in other folks' money given to her campaign for a fence. And because there are some pretty lax Federal Election Commission rules about personal protection, a fence, y'all, this is kind of legal. But spending more than $65,000 on her home fence, 
when the median household income in her district is just over $54,000? Yeah, not good. But she is a congressional Trump bootlicker and Trump fanatics. They like being they like being conned. They like being taken by people who can afford things on their own, but would much prefer taking their money and using it for their own lavishness. It, it, there are no repercussions. Okay, so that's just a footnote compared to over the weekend. Last week, a lot of you know about the 21-year-old. I mean, this dude is so doe-faced. He's a child. I, I'm blown away that a low-level guards person <laughs> had access to such top-secret documentation and then was on a gaming social media site sharing it. My God. Pentagon really needs to up their standards, right? Of course, the fact that this 21-year-old Jack Teixeira released all this top-secret stuff, this reflects on, somehow, (laughs) the Biden administration, despite the fact it didn't reflect on the Trump administration by these same Republicans when it was a lady by the name of Reality Winner from my hometown of Augusta, Georgia, when she was leaking U.S. government secrets. Interesting. Hmm. Okay, sorry. Deviated from the story just a little bit. Marjorie Taylor Greene is defending Jack Teixeira. Could you imagine a prominent Democrat defending reality winner? Let's go to John Carl from this week with George Stephanopoulos when he spoke with Lindsey Graham about Marjorie Taylor Greene's defense of Jack Teixeira. I mean, as you mentioned, there are some on the right that are not only sugarcoating it, but actually applauding him. I mean, take a look at what Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, tweeted. She said, Jack Teixeira is white, male, Christian, and anti-war. That makes him an enemy to the Biden regime. And he told the truth about troops being on the ground in Ukraine and a lot more. I mean, Tucker Carlson's kind of turning him into a hero. Mm. What, What do you make of that? Why? What they're suggesting will destroy America's ability to defend itself that it's okay to release classified information uh, based on your political views, that the ends justify the means. It is not okay. If you're a member of the military intelligence community and you disagree with American policy and you think you're going to be okay when it comes to leaking classified information, you're going to go to jail. It's one of the most irresponsible statements you can make. The ability for America to gather intelligence from human resources on the ground has been compromised. We can't have a chaotic intelligence gathering system. If you give us information and it's disclosed, you can lose your life. The way we gather intelligence protects our country. There are military members serving today from Georgia and other places who are less safe because of what this airman did. There is no justification for this. And for any member of Congress to suggest it's okay to leak classified information because you agree with the cause, is terribly irresponsible and puts America in uh, serious danger. But I bet her tweet made Daddy Vlad happy. Yeah, you know Putin loved that one. Naturally, Marjorie Taylor Greene took the high road. I'm kidding. She posted a fake photograph of Lindsey Graham holding a tall boy Bud Light can with Dylan Mulvaney's face on it. Yeah, the trans activist, the, that Bud Light can. She also shared on her personal Twitter her uh, anti-war television ad. I'll give you some of the audio from that. Under Biden, America is no longer in charge on the world stage. America's standing in the world has never recovered from the disastrous chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. Our enemies see through his saber rattling. Mr. Putin, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This man cannot remain power. 
Biden's sanctions aren't working. They're just pushing Russia even closer to China. If a couple of strong countries ever got together, you would lose. It's a new world order that United States versus Russia and China. The army is marginal, the navy is weak, air force very weak, space force weak. Our supreme leaders in the Biden administration are so clueless that they are literally going to lead us into World War III. The Chinese have more ships, more airplanes, and more missiles than the United States has. President Biden uh, confirmed Russia's use of hypersonic missiles, saying it's almost impossible to stop it. The president warning the risk of nuclear Armageddon. The U.S. is developing contingency plans, including potential use of tactical nuclear weapons. Threat confrontation between NATO and Russia is World War III. cloud stop this war and bring peace is there an american politician working harder to make vladimir putin's case than marjorie taylor green i mean other than donald trump that is second half of the ron show up next we talk non-compete clauses this is the ron show on america one radio so we're joined by andy trusevich who is a labor employment attorney in dallas the comment period for the FTC, Federal Trade Commission's proposal to ban non-compete clauses, is coming up. I believe that's uh, Wednesday. Am I right, Andy? Correct. That's uh, April 19th. Uh, they closed the comment period, so it's coming up quick. So to get rid of non-compete clauses uh, seems to me, well, especially from an employee point of view, like a no-brainer. Uh, I, we, we were talking off the air just a minute ago. I used to work in radio broadcasting. Uh, I mean, aside from the show, this is just kind of a side hustle as I do real estate now. Um, but non-competes were particularly unfair if you got fired or if your station flipped formats and you suddenly found yourself out of a job. You couldn't go across town and work for uh, a competing station with a similar format that you had been on before. But talk to me. I mean, that's just from, that's just from an anecdotal point of view. Uh, non-compete clauses can even apply to people who work in a fast food industry, just an hourly paid job and can't go across the street. That's correct. I mean, it is, uh, non-competes are businesses way of handcuffing current employees and keeping wages down. And, and just for full transparency, I am a capitalist. Mm. I believe in a free market economy, but non-competes are so antithetical to Americanism, to capitalism, to free trade, and they apply to hairstylists, security guards. Uh, one chain had their sandwich maker sign them. They had the delivery driver sign them. And it is nothing but a way to suppress wages. And the FTC, even though I'm no big fan of government agencies, I support this rule. And if you look at their study, $300 billion worth of wages are being suppressed by the current non-competes that are floating around that affect 30 million Americans. And you would expect them to just apply to the CEOs, CFOs, right. COOs, uh, and they don't. They apply to the lower wage workers, the C-suite executives. If they get fired, one former or a current uh, uh, CEO of a bank made $86 million last year. That's great. But if he gets fired, he gets a $200 million golden parachute, right. and and, it, and the average worker does not. They may get two, three, four weeks of pay, but yet they're under a six-month, nine-month, or a year non-compete. It is anti-American, and it hurts the average worker. 
I always thought it was a, a bit of a misfit too. If you had to sit out, like I have had to sit out, you know, ninety day or six month non competes, but unemployment doesn't last six months, so it doesn't really jibe with uh, with that chronologically. You said something about hairstylists. I had no idea hairstylists who usually rent the space that they're working in in the first place are also held to non competes. Correct. And, and security guards. I mean, why can't one security guard from a mall go work at a different mall if he or she's offered a better job? Wow. Because the non-compete suppresses their wage and they know they can't live on two or three or four weeks worth of severance mm-hmm. when they're under a six-month non-compete. If, if the non-compete rules were that you got paid the entire time, your full salary, your full health care benefits that continue during the non-compete period, I wouldn't be against this rule. But I am against this rule because even though lawyers are exempt from non-compete, it doesn't affect me. Mm. But it affects the average worker, and I've been doing this for 32 years, and I've seen what it does to the store managers, the regional managers, the district uh, or uh, the district managers, and it's just unfair for them to get one or two or three or four weeks of pay and have to be out for six months or nine months or 12 months, depending what retail company you work for. Mm-hmm. I never noticed this either, but I, I, I saw here in the notes on, on your bio that even if you wanted to leave a job to start your own business, if it's a competing business, you, you can be held to a non-compete in that realm as well? That's correct. That is absolutely correct. And the one thing that I, I just want to say on, you know, big businesses and how powerful they are on these non-competes and how bad they want to keep them. And the CEO who's making 86 or $84 million a year, again, I don't begrudge him. I'm a capitalist. But the fact that the lower workers have to have non-competes, I, I could go back to uh, Clinton and George W. Bush, but I won't. Just take the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. The Democrat Party, supposedly the party of the average worker, had the House, Senate, and White House. Couldn't touch non-competes. Then comes Donald Trump, the Republicans, the party supposedly of free market economy, free trade, had the House, Senate, and White House. Couldn't touch non-competes. Biden had the House, Senate, and non-compete couldn't touch him. He had to do an executive order, order in the FTC. This is the closest that it's ever come. And you can go back to the Obama administration, the, the George W. Bush. I blame the Republicans and Democrats uh, party because big business buys them. They're in the big business pockets. And that's what keeps this rule around. So did the filibuster keep this from happening under Obama or did he not even try? I don't recall. They never even tried. There, there's a, a act that businesses will turn to and say, oh, but the workplace mobility is making its way through Congress, which would sort of touch non-competes. The problem is when you have a bipartisan um, bill that goes through, if it ever gets passed, it has so many loopholes and holes, it's like a piece of Swiss cheese. Mm. It, nothing good's going to come out of that. It was introduced in 2019, never got out of committee. Mm-hmm. Introduced in 2021, never got out of the committee. It's been reintroduced. It's not going to go anywhere. And I will say, I give Marco Rubio credit on the Republican side trying to address non-competes on the Democrat. Senator Murphy and Elizabeth Warren have tried. But when each party controlled all three branches of government and mm-hmm. could have gotten rid of non-competes, 
they couldn't do it. And and one uh, point that's important is California, North Dakota, and Oklahoma have completely banned non-competes. So for big businesses to, uh, businesses to say, oh, we have to have this or the sky will fall. Well, it doesn't fall in those three states, and they all do business in uh, California, North Dakota, and Oklahoma. And in fact, Oklahoma and North Dakota banned non-competes before they were even states, while they were still t- U.S. territories. Hmm. And if those three states can ban non-competes, the federal government should federalize this and ban non-competes. I, I find it interesting as well that you, you, you list two right-wing states and a left-wing state, and there seems to be consensus that it's not antithetical to business success. It, it, it's not. And businesses will say, oh, it protects our trade secrets. That's just an absolute fallacy in order to protect uh, handcuffed current uh, employees to their current employers <laughs> and suppress wages. And the reason I say that is there's already civil and criminal laws on the books for stealing mm. proprietary secrets. What they want is they don't want a customers who deal with a store manager and know he or she and they go to a competitor across the street and the customers follow that person. Well, why shouldn't they be able to follow that person? That's as a consumer, and especially with the Republican Party, if you agree with their uh, mandate, we are the party of free and fair competition. No, you aren't. Yep. You do not allow the customers to choose to be to be free and choose to go, you know what? I like that store manager. They're going to a different store across town or across the street or down the block. I'm going to follow them. And businesses don't want that to happen. And it's a fallacy. Andy Trusevich is with us. He is a labor employment attorney in Dallas. As I'm sure you can pick up on the conversation, he is definitely against non-compete clauses. I am as well. I think they're just horrible for the employee. Of course, they're great for the business. But but are they really? And that's the discussion we're having here. The Federal Trade Commission has uh, an open comment period. That is drawing to a close Wednesday. Visit FTC.gov to weigh in on non-compete clauses. If you've ever been negatively affected by non-compete clauses, as I have, and I'm going to go and weigh in with my comments, then please head to FTC.gov to weigh in as this public comment period comes to a close as the Federal Trade Commission seeks to ban non-compete clauses by executive order. So my concern is that this would be an executive order. Would this not just disappear at the end of Biden's term, whether it be in 2024 or 2028? No, that's a, that's a great question. So here's what the process is going to be. Once the uh, FTC, and I would urge your listeners, if they are against uh, uh, non-competes or if they're for them, um, go to FTC.gov before the closing period, because right now they're just hearing from the paid lobbyists on K Street from big sure. businesses. Yeah. And in fact, the, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, before they even seen the rule, have already come out and said, we're going to sue if they pass the rule. So that ought to tell you something. But <laughs> Um, what's going to happen is once they close the, the comment period on the 19th, then they will either pass the rule or they will vote against it. Right now it's three to one mm. four on the NLRB for it. Then it will go to the White House for review. It'll go back to the FTC. They will finalize the rule and then pass it. The chamber will then immediately file suit the same day and let the appeals process begin. I just can't believe I'm sitting here hearing that non-competes could actually go away at the federal level. I, I knew that there were states that had banned them, but I didn't know it was only three. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that that there is this possibility. But as you mentioned before, the comment period is drawing to a close and they're hearing a lot from the lobbyists on K Street. So FTC.gov is the website to go to. Is this pretty easy to find or do I need to go seek this link out and make sure that it's in the show notes today? 
No, absolutely. It's very easy if you, if you just either go to ftc.gov or you Google ftc.gov non-competes, it will pull up to the, the actual web page of the FTC regarding non-competes, mm. and it will just ask you for a comment, your email. Uh, you don't even have to have your full contact information, mm. and I, it literally will take less than two minutes if your listeners do that, and you can say, yes, I'm for non-competes, or I am against non-competes. Uh, I support the rule banning non-competes. And, you know, we really have lost the, our politicians, our elected officials. And, you know, as Ronald Reagan said, the, the scariest words in the English language is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Calvin Coolidge said America is in the business of business. And what he meant by that was businesses generate jobs, jobs generate uh, salaries, wages, and then the, the employees go out and spend it in the economy and it drives the economy. And non-competes are antithetical mm -hmm. to that very statement because of wage suppression, and people ought to be able to go and get a better-paying job. And if your current employer wants to keep you, then they can either increase the uh, wages, match the offer, um, but it affects the average American worker mm -hmm. who's living paycheck to paycheck, especially in this economy, and Congress sits and does nothing. Your grass will grow faster before Congress acts to help the average American worker, I'll never forget what the last radio job I had when, when I when I was uh, when I was ushered out the door. I'll never forget what the general manager told me. He's, he he told me, you know, we're going to offer unemployment, yada yada yada. If you want to go drive for Uber, we won't hold that against you. I was just so insulted by that. Not that there's anything wrong with rideshare driving. He thought that that's what I was going to resort to because he knew that I couldn't go work in a competitive situation. But it was okay if I went and drove for Uber. I was just so pissed by that. I am so glad you brought brought that up because that anecdotal evidence is exactly what people do end up having to do. Right. Uh, whether they go have to work at, at at a Starbucks, you know, as a barista in order to try to pay childcare, the mortgage, yeah. car payments, and like I said, how unfair is it that the executives making the tens of millions of dollars that get the golden parachutes that get their health care continued yeah. for two three four years but the average worker may get a month uh not uh, of severance maybe their health care continued for a month but after that they are still under a six month nine month or one year yeah. non-compete and other states have have tried to ban it but again, there's so many loopholes in it, mm -hmm. and no state says you have to pay 100% of the person's salary to continue it. That would be the fair thing to do, but businesses don't want to talk about that. Well, oh, that would hurt our bottom line, too, because we have to replace Andy with somebody else. So if we're paying Andy, we're paying really two people. Well, then don't have non-competes. There's your choice. Well, Free and fair economy. Well, that and, and paying people, you know, what they're worth and valuing them so that you don't have to pay to train somebody else to be as good as they are and wait for that to eventually come saves the business money as well. Cor correct. And if you're going to fire someone because they're such a bad employee, why do you worry about them going to the competition? I right. hope they go to the competition yeah. if they're that bad. Yeah. yeah, that is so true. The more I think about this, we just had a shooting in Louisville, Kentucky with a, an ex-employee. And I'm not sitting here you know, weighing in on, on that guy's merits or anything like that. But this is the sort of stuff that makes you not wonder like, why we are in a mental health crisis and why we have people snap and, and you know, these workplace shootings and things like that. These are the sorts of things that make people snap. It makes a terrible 
terrible work environment right. when and people just sign them. You know, they click on the yeah. application because oh, you want the job. the job. Yeah. They don't even realize it until someone comes in. And can you imagine a couple or two significant others that are working for the same company? And you and I both know we've heard on the news tens of thousands of high tech workers are being let go. Mm-hmm. If you have a married couple or significant other couple that working for there and they come in one day and say, sorry, we're doing a reduction in force, but we're g- good news. You get six weeks of, of uh, severance if you sign this release and they make sure that you sign a release so you can't sue them. And in exchange, um, we're going to give you four weeks or six weeks, but you're under a six month, nine month or one year non-compete. That to me, h- h- what does that couple do when they go home and realize our pay is going to stop? Unemployment doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, they got to put the house on the market. They got to move back in with somebody's parents and, and you know, wind up living in a basement apartment or something like that until they yeah, can move their kids from a different school and, uh, you know, explain to their kids what happened. Uh, it's right. it's terrible. Well, it's a terrible uh, practice and it nobody talks about it. And I'm so glad you are bringing it up because it's the dark little secret of businesses non-competes and they hide it. They just hide mm-hmm. it. Yeah. They bury it in the application right. and you don't even realize you signed a non-compete until you're fired. Well, and I keep going back to my anecdotal scenario when I worked for, and I've worked for several large radio companies. I worked for Odyssey, uh, was Intercom at the time. I worked for iHeartMedia. With iHeartMedia, not only could you not go across town to work with a crosstown competitor, you couldn't go work for another radio entity that iHeartMedia was in that market. Like if I worked in, uh, like, well, I worked in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and say I wanted to go work in Tampa, Florida for a company other than iHeartMedia, I couldn't do it because, and iHeart's in most of the major markets in this country. To me, that was just gobsmacking. Like, what do I know about iHeartMedia as just a cog in their massive machinery? That's going to totally cripple them if I move from one market to another. Not only is that unfair to the employee, but think about the consumer, meaning in this case, the listener. Mm-hmm. If I'm a, a big fan of yours and you want to go move to maybe you, you want to move for family reasons, you know, more money, a better mm-hmm. job or better work environment, a different format. And as a consumer, supposed to be a free cons- consumer uh, uh, society an economy, if I want to switch the channel because I want to follow you, mm. they prevent that also. Yeah. And that's another thing businesses never talk about, that they're not only handcuff the current employee to their employer, but they handcuff consumers and they don't allow them free choice. That is just un-American. It's antithetical to tell consumers, you don't get to listen to Ron because he wants to go to a different station and a better job, or we laid him off. But we're going to keep them out of the business for six months, nine months, or a year, and you're not going to be able to listen to them. Why not? That's right. I need to hire you as my agent. Andy Trusevich, uh, again, a labor employment attorney in Dallas, definitely against non-compete clauses. And uh, we'll just remind you to head to FTC.gov as the Federal Trade Commission is wrapping up public comment period on proposing to ban non-compete clauses, ftc.gov. Andy, thanks for the time. I appreciate you talking with us about this, buddy. No, thank you so much for talking about this. It is such an important issue, and the average American doesn't realize what's going on uh, uh, regarding non-competes. Thank you so much for having me. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. Well, it's unfortunate I only have about five minutes left of the show. The interview ran a little long, but it was so fascinating, right? Uh, but I wanted to bring this story to your attention because it's just now breaking. Uh, the folks at WSB-TV, Channel 2 Action News, Zach Klein, uh, and their, uh, I believe he's one of their sports folks, right? 
Uh, anyway, they're reporting that there is now brewing a billion dollar, billion with a B, billion dollar arena with development around it called The Gathering at South Forsyth that's being pitched right now in another attempt to bring Metro Atlanta its third NHL National Hockey League team. Now, the developers are promising that this will be a mixed-use development, quote, bigger than the Battery Atlanta that could attract a National Hockey League franchise back to Atlanta. I will say this. I know that the NHL is not looking to expand, but there is an issue in Arizona with the uh, Phoenix franchise. They're playing in like a super... I, I think Georgia State's basketball arena might be bigger than what they're playing in. They're playing in a smallish venue and have been trying to suckle out some taxpayer-funded government subsidies to get a larger arena built for them, and they're not having a whole lot of luck with that. So this is the logical landing spot, I would presume, for such a development. We're talking about 100 acres, somewhere in Forsyth County, by the way, which, can I just say, is a long way north in North Metro Atlanta, right? If you are a Midtown resident, downtown resident, Old Fourth Ward like me, and you want to go to a hockey match, do I need to remind you Marta doesn't go there? Marta, in fact, Marta's not allowed in Forsyth County at all. But the train stops at North Springs in Sandy Springs, and you're still 20, 30 minutes traffic-wise from an arena? If you want to go to a hockey match, and, and listen, hockey games are fun in person. I will not lie. I have seen a lot of minor league hockey games. They are a ton of fun. Never got to see the Thrashers here. I wasn't living here at the time. But minor league hockey, tons of fun. Anyway, you go to an NHL game, you may have a beer or two or more, and may want, you know, a little assistance getting home. Well, if you live in downtown Atlanta, you think Forsyth County is on the Tennessee line. That's how far it is. It's a long haul. I mean, we're talking past Alpharetta. And again, Marta doesn't go there. That's That's really far north. No word yet from the uh, WSB TV reporting about taxpayer dollars going to it. But come on. Come on. You know there's going to be some kickbacks or some... No, you don't have to pay for that. We'll take care of that. There's going to need to be infrastructure expansion, et cetera, and so on. Impact fees? No. No, we're not going to worry about that. Uh, the folks pitching this say it will have every amenity that you would expect from a modern arena. It will be built to be very fan-friendly. The guest amenities will be second to none, and it'll be very interactive space with a plaza out front and just every welcoming kind of area. That is from Carl Hirsch, managing partner of Stafford Sports, uh, the consulting firm representing the developer Vernon Krauss, who owns a series of car dealerships throughout the Southeast United States. And there's, you know, some nice rendering. Renderings always suck you right in, don't they? The arena with the plaza, and it looks like a roundabout, like a drop-off zone. Uh, a huge building with interactive wall. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to build another battery. The, the, the battery, by the way, for Cobb County has not been a boon for Cobb County. It's been good for the Braves. It's not been a boon for Cobb County. It hasn't done much to property values around the battery. It's created gridlock and headaches and a sea of parking lots throughout 
the area because, again, Marta doesn't go to the battery either. We'll be following this story. I hate to wrap the show with that little nugget, but we will be following this story, and uh, I'll reach out to... In fact, there's a local economist. J.C. Bradbury is a Kennesaw State professor of economics and covers stadium subsidies quite frequently. You follow him at J.C. underscore Bradbury on Twitter. You'll know all that I'm talking about. Hopefully, we'll get him on soon to discuss this. That's going to do it for The Ron Show. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. here on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com. Blogs and more. Catch past shows at ronshowatl.com, and we'll see you here tomorrow. Have a great one.